Hey, welcome back, Underground. Hope you are doing well. We are COVID-free, assuming we're (laughs) COVID-free. We're at least back with microphones. Sorry you had to put up with the audio last week, but uh, I think we said last week we were going to jump in to do these spotlights. We're going to highlight local missionaries and highlight some global practitioners of DMM and all of the things that we have been talking about through this last year of these paradigm shifts of mindset, movement, momentum, all of those things. And uh, we were excited and we still are excited about spotlights. We've got plenty of those that we're still going to pop in uh, throughout the coming weeks and months of this year, because we think one of the most important things uh, that sustains a missionary disciple making movement is stories Mm -hmm. to be able to tell the stories of what people are doing uh, to to get excited about them, to pray for them, to steal their ideas and use them <laughs> as our own. Uh, but we wanted to hit pause on the spotlights that we literally just started <laughs> and go a little bit different direction this morning and talk about, as I said this morning, that's I mean, weird. A lot yeah. of people could be listening in the morning. That's true. That's true. We want to talk about some goals, really a goal for the underground in 2021, get you excited about it, but also create a podcast that you can use as a way to communicate what we're doing and invite people into a journey. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to hit pause on everything we've been doing and we're going to talk about the missionary pathway because we mention the missionary pathway all the time. Yeah. Over and over and over. And we don't know I guess we could have stopped and gone and looked at all the podcasts we've done. We're pretty sure. That, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> We're pretty sure we have not actually done one podcast that just features and talks about the missionary pathway, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, what's the good analogy? The backbone yeah. of the underground. Yeah. You know, so so what's funny, because I, I was in, I think I've referenced it before, this one trip I took to Kenya and I hung out with Isla and a bunch of an incredible movement leaders around the world. That would be Isla Tassi. You can yes. Google Isla Tassi. Yeah, and, and Isla is, is based out of Nairobi. And yeah, just been a the primary catalyst for so many movements up and down Africa. And uh, But the, the reason why I reference that is because I will never forget the simplicity of kind of this illustration they had. Uh, So I'm just, and it's actually, it's not the first time I'd seen that, you know, I've been kind of studying movements for a long time, but I'm looking at the the wall and they just have pictures up in in a big circle that essentially is what disciple making movements look like from the, from a thousand feet in the air. And it was looking at starting with extraordinary prayer and it was engaging people and finding persons of peace. It was seeing uh, the gospel planted using discovery Bible studies. And then it was churches birthed out of new disciples. And then it was multiplication and sending out of new teams and all that. And so I take a picture of it because I'd actually, the first kind of missionary pathway training I ever did, uh, and I didn't call it that, and I didn't necessarily use the same language, but it was six or seven years ago and it was essentially that pathway. And so I like this, I take this picture of this. And now years later, as we are in, KC Underground trying to basically utilizing that language. It's like, why would we, 
why would we recreate right. uh, some other pathway when it's like, well, this is just reverse engineered from the way that God moves. So it's not like our great strategy. Totally. It's like following what we see, the, the move of God. And so that they're actually really freeing because it's not like we have to sell a vision. Yeah. Well, I think we should go back and kind of talk about how we stumbled on this, which you just did partly, but I mean like yeah. how we put that in with the underground. Uh, but one of the things I would say just like kind of, jumping off the back of what you just said is as you describe that it's it's a way to say that like the missionary pathway is descriptive of what we see yeah. around the world yeah. not prescriptive however because we've seen it so many times descriptive as the underground we just sort of said well maybe it is prescriptive yeah. you know maybe if we just follow the pathway that's continued to work over and over we're going to see similar results. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, other leaders in other cities and other places, even here in Kansas City, you know, they use different language. Our friend Myron up in Omaha, his pathway that we're going to talk about that's similar to ours is like, it's it's four steps, not five. Mm-hmm. You know, he's combined some language and done some different things. This isn't, like, we don't offer this up as the end all be all this is written in matthew twenty nine fifteen or something like that um there's not the, the, there's yeah, not that's 29 not real chapters yeah. in matthew <laughs> don't, don't look that up second hesitations um well, that one always sounds real to me though or, you know what the one that always catches me is hezekiah when people drop yeah, it out yeah, there yeah, yeah. hezekiah four six or something they're like Wait, wait a second. Wait, huh? I always that go with like be. first opinions. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So two years ago, we are launching the underground in Kansas City, and most of us came out of a background of church planting, and we have a lot of language around that. We have ideas about how a church should be planted, and we keep talking about how there are smaller forms of the church. And we're going to plant microchurches, and we're going to launch microchurches, and we have these hubs. And hubs are, uh, at the time, we were saying gatherings of microchurches. <laughs> and, oh, man, our language was just so wrapped up in an old mm. church growth model of church planting. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. We're not saying God—we say all the time God blesses all forms of the church. Uh, he, I think Rob uses the language he— and uh, empowers and enlivens. I don't know. You know, Rob's yeah. alliteration something, is so beautiful. Something really good. Um, but we started having a conversation with our leadership team of, I think our language is not helping us get where we want to get. Mm-hmm. And it may be actually hindering us. And so we need to examine our language to see if the language we're using and the definitions that we're using really get us to this level of gospel saturation and multiplication that we want to see in Kansas City and then spill out beyond that to the ends of the earth. Mm. And so there's this guy, Corey, on our team, and like the story he just told with seeing these pictures on the wall, he's like, hey, I think I I got something to propose to this team. And it's these five phases, and I don't even think we are calling it the missionary pathway at that time, were we? No, I think I just I sent a document where I just kind of uh, used the graphic illustrator to kind of have these handful of things. And and then Rob and I think you responded with some language, you know, ideas and then missionary pathway was I don't even know if it was an idea. I think it was like Rob just called it that. And we just like and we just went with it, you know. 
Yeah. So anyway, we landed on what we call our missionary pathway. And over the next few months, we just said, man, I think that this is divinely inspired. Um, like we said, it, it looks like descriptive of what we have seen with movements historically and globally. Yeah. And maybe that this is the, the map that Jesus wants us to follow to see gospel saturation, multiplication of missionaries and micro churches in Kansas City and beyond. Mm. So we put this on a piece of paper, put it up, started talking about it all the time. And yeah, it's, I think that that's probably the best language is um, it, it is a pathway, but it's like it's the map like we teach around this. It's the liturgy of our equipping gatherings. Yep. When we meet with missionaries and microchurches on Sunday afternoons to equip them with tools, we always say, hey, this thing that we're teaching on today fits in phase three of the missionary pathway or phase one of the missionary pathway or phase five. And it's important to know where you are in the pathway. When we meet new missionaries, we always show them this, this map. And we ask, hey, what phase do you feel like you're currently in? You know, are you just praying and asking Jesus what part of the city he's sending you to? Or are you already living like a missionary among a pocket of people? So I'm already talking about the map now. So let's just do that. Like, Go I through think, the map? Yeah, I think we should start with that. Yeah. And then we can come back and talk about why it has affected our goals for the year. So walk us through. Yeah, absolutely. So we just kind of think of it more. Uh, don't think of a linear path. Think of a cyclical, circular uh, it just keeps spiraling. Yeah, I tell you what, just so it's helpful, I will make sure that this is on the <laughs> podcast webpage. So if you go to caseyunderground.podbean.com or something like that, I don't, I don't even know what the website is. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's super helpful. Thank if you. you if you find the website, um, then you can find the missionary pathway. Google you Casey can. Underground <laughs> podcast. I think it's caseyunderground.podbean.com. Anyway, where this episode is found, I will have a link to this graphic so that you can look at it. Yeah. So it, it begins, everything begins, every movement begins with a prayer movement. So number one on the missionary pathway is extraordinary prayer and fasting. And so we have been, been trying to live into this more intentionally and surround ourselves with people who think <laughs> this way of what it, what it means to actually be fully dependent and continually more and more dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so we begin with extraordinary prayer and fasting. And we've got various tools to help with uh, the practice of that. Our primary one is our Bless Five. As far as our missional prayer practice, we, we just teach people the, the Bless Five. And we've talked about that a lot in, in past podcasts, but essentially we are trying to train people to pray with authority, to find five people, in their context, uh, wherever it is that God may be calling them to begin to pray with an authoritative posture, that the blessing of God would, would uh, rest on these people and that we would find persons of peace. So number one, extraordinary prayer and fasting. Yeah, and we would say that there's two base primary prayers that you can pray. They're the simplest prayers you can pray. I, like you don't even have to write these down. I promise you, you can memorize them when yeah. I say them right now. But if, if it helps you, write it down. Jesus, where are you already at work? And then stop and listen. And that's a prayer you have to keep praying over and over again. And you have to let the Spirit empower you to see at his level and to hear at his level. The first prayer is a listening prayer. Jesus, where are you at work? And the second is a, is a missional prayer. 
Jesus, how can I join you? Mm-hmm. These two prayers, like I, these are just prayers I pray every day. I don't, you don't have to make them complicated. Mm. You can go further on them if you want, but in phase one of extraordinary prayer and fasting, Jesus, where are you at work? Jesus, how can I join you? And if you go back through the podcast, I do remember we did several episodes on extraordinary prayer and fasting. So if you're looking for more resources on that, um, you can listen to episodes like with Sam Metcalf. Um, what's our Denver friend? Or not Denver, well, Denver Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Lee. Lee, Lee yeah, Price, Lee Price. Uh, with authoritative prayer. Uh, so jump back in, listen to those those podcasts on extraordinary prayer. But but begin to just daily pray these prayers. Jesus, where are you at work? Jesus, how can I join you? Amen. So number one, extraordinary prayer and fasting. Number two, live as missionaries. And this language we we use because we want people to understand that as your identity, if we serve a missionary God, we are a missionary people. And so to live on mission is to join. It's basically part two of the prayer that Brian just said. Where are you at work, God? Okay, we're going to join you. We're going to live as missionaries. We are going to, a big piece of that is we are going to be finding and looking for the people that God's already at work on. So we're calling those, you know, traditionally we're saying, we're looking at Luke 10, and we're saying these are people of peace. Who are the people of peace? Who are the people that God's already at work drawing in spiritually receptive? And man, often they will have, they will be a relational gateway to more people. So we're looking for those, right? And one of the the primary tools that we continue to go over in uh, the underground is the blessed rhythms, which Brian will talk about here. Yeah, the blessed rhythms. So I, I love the blessed rhythms. I don't know how to say that any other way. This is like the, <laughs> yeah. I, I talk about these all the time because these are the missionary rhythms uh, that help you live into some context, some relational context, whether that's your neighborhood, your workspace, uh, some sort of third space in which you live. And all of these these rhythms, you have to contextualize them. They're not like we they're not written to say okay you know you have to say this and do right. this thing like they're they're just bones that we put you know the meat and the flesh around to begin in prayer the l is listen and engage in relationships the e is to eat the first s is to be served and to serve tangibly bring the kingdom where it is that you live work learn and play and then the last s is share the story of how the gospel has changed you and how it changes everything and so with these blessed rhythms, you begin to to live intentionally among a pocket of people. And I don't throw that intentional phrase that gets thrown around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Christianese now or whatever. But it's like live with gospel intentionality. Mm-hmm. Not making people projects, not trying to get people across some imaginary line, but but living in such a way that you want to be the good news elevating whatever part of the city it is in which you live, work, learn, or play, and beginning to make a missional focus in this phase. Like uh, oftentimes we live in so many different contexts that we, we never go deep into relationship in those, in those places. And so it's so important to, to pick a primary place of mission and really contextualize the gospel in that place. And as you're talking you know, we can keep kind of weaving this in as we go through this missionary pathway. We we didn't just make this up out of thin air either mm-hmm. or just copy it off the walls from a, a right. training ground in Africa. Like, exactly. think about the way Jesus lived. He spent 30 years learning the ways of, of the people 
um, that he came to live among, he incarnated. So when he's baptized, what's the first thing he does? He went out in the desert, right? He was led into, it says he was led into the spirit for 40 days of fasting. What's the next thing he does? When he comes back, he begins to bless he begins to make the kingdom tangible. Mm-hmm. He he takes the scroll and he sits down in that synagogue and he says, you know, the sovereign Lord has a, appointed me to bring good news. He proclaims the kingdom, mm. to set the captives free, to bring sight to the blind. You know, it's like, and he says, this has been fulfilled. And then he begins to do those things. He heals, right? He befriends the tax collectors and the lonely. He throws or well, he's at parties. I don't know if he throws. He might. I mm-hmm. bet Jesus threw some parties. I, I'd go to a Jesus party, <laughs> right? So those first two phases, we see Jesus living this. He he starts off with extraordinary prayer and fasting, and then he lives like a missionary. He brings good news among these people to whom he's been sent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that space, we're we're finding spiritually interested people. We're engaging. We're living the blessed rhythms. We're having gospel conversations, right? And we're, we're joining God where he's at work. And in that we find, we find people, we find those who God is stirring. And it's, by the way, it's so cool because we don't have to manipulate that process. (laughs) We just join God. And so in that there is a very, generally speaking, natural uh, invitation to discover more of what God is saying about life. And so we, at that point, um, emulate what we see all around the world, and we train people to plant the gospel. Number three is plant the gospel, uh, and the primary tool that we use is a discovery Bible study. So a, a simple, reproducible way for people to get their fingerprints on the Bible and to hear directly from God and to immediately put that into practice. So we, we talk about obedience-based discipleship. So instead of us trying to have all this content and be able to teach everything that like a, a new seeking person wants to hear or needs to hear, we just open up the word. We read a Jesus story and we were like, all right, what does this say about God? What does it say about Jesus? You know, what does it say about us? What are we going to do about it? And then who are we going to share it with? Right. And if that is the, the bare bones of disciple making from the ground up, we from day one begin to train people to hear from God obey what he's telling you and to go share it. And so, yeah, that it's so simple. It is so reproducible, but it is, it basically provides the foundation for reproducible discipleship and church emerging church planting. Did, did Jesus do this one? I feel like. Did Jesus do what? A discovery Bible study? (laughs) I don't think he called it a DBS, but while you were doing that, I was like, Oh, I need to think through plant the gospel. How did Jesus do that one? <laughs> but it's like while you were saying that, yeah, fo- you know, follow me and they follow him. It, you know, what I mean, like, but also like these passages of you know, you've heard it said. Mm. You know, like of course they'd heard it said. They'd heard that passage of Old Testament scripture over and over. But mm. then Jesus is reframing it, often in light mm. of a "This is now how you should go live." Mm-hmm. Right? Like you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, but I tell you. You know, love yeah. your enemy. Yeah. And, but that's action oriented. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you mentioned, there's the come follow me. There's always action in relation to the, to the way Jesus is inviting these men and women to join him in, yeah. in the work he's doing. And even, I think, you know, the story of, um, you know, the woman at the well, you know, they're, they're talking about, 
these Old Testament places of worship mm-hmm. and where the Jews worship and, you know, you, you worship on this mountain and we worship on this mountain. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus tells her all about her life and she's blown away. And, you know, the next step of obedience is like, well, I'm going to go tell everybody about this man who told me about everything I've ever done, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or the demoniac, you know, like he says, Jesus, I want to come with you because of what you've done in my life. And Jesus says, you know, no, go back to the towns and the villages. You know, like he has he sent out. Uh, so anyway, yep. it, it's not a, a perfect one-to-one in this one. But again, Jesus plants good news because his whole ministry is, I have come to proclaim the kingdom of God is here among you. That's right. Yeah, and it's also putting our uh, the eggs in the basket of God will speak to those and we we join him, right? And so we're we're trying to create space for the Holy Spirit to speak to people as opposed to feeling like we have to be the Holy Spirit to everyone. You know, and and from that it's 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 John 6 where where Jesus says, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him." Mm. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, "They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me." And so just very simple like idea of like, all right, let's just create space for God to speak to people. So when we say plant the gospel, it's it's a much more holistic, big idea. Yes. But as far as the tool of disciple making from the, I always say from the ground up is we're just going to, we're training people how to do discovery Bible study, which by the way is just on a very program, programmatic is the wrong word, but on a practical level. People are trained in DBS and they, if they're living like a missionary and they're joining God in spaces, it becomes like this, like it connects dots in a way where it's like, oh, okay, cool. Because I had no idea what was going to be next. I had no idea actually like how to do this. Time and time again, you train people in Discovery Bible Study and there's this like almost audible breath of like, okay, okay, I think I can do that. You know, it, it is freeing. Yeah. Yeah, and and as soon as you learn how to do it, it's not like, you know, you have to go through a a year-long seminar on how to do discovery Bible studies, you know. Uh, The other thing that was standing out to me, just as you're talking about that as well, is on this plant the gospel phase, phase three, is, you know, again, gospel demonstration and gospel proclamation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, like, the language that I was just speaking is, like, Jesus demonstrated the gospel with these signs and these wonders and these healings, and... He proclaimed the gospel by um, talking about the kingdom and how it would come and what it would look like. Um, and ultimately, Jesus just is the good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in in the first three, again, let's just go back and keep hitting these. I think it's important over and over uh, just to repeat these. Like extraordinary prayer and fasting is phase one. You never leave phase one. It doesn't matter what, what other phase you're in. You should always be doing extraordinary prayer and fasting. Right. Remember, we've talked about this. Whatever you're doing now is ordinary prayer. Just add one extra thing, then it's extra. Whoa, ordinary. extraordinary. So phase one, extraordinary prayer That's why we and fasting. That's get the big bucks. <laughs> Wait, you get big bucks? I get no bucks. Phase, <laughs> phase two, live as missionaries. Uh, so as we pray and fast, as Jesus shows us where he's at work through the Spirit, and as we join him in that, we live like a missionary among a pocket of people. Phase three, we plant the gospel. What happens after that? Well... You make disciples. Disciples are being made, right? Like we're, 
it sounds so funny because we don't, it's not like, here's the magic bullet there. Okay, cool. You did this. You did discovery. Bible study. Boom. Okay. No, we, we're just joining God in everything. Right. So yeah, our, I shouldn't say you make disciples. No, I no, should I say know. disciples are made. Right. But my, my point is every, every stop on the missionary pathway is not like, okay, check that off the box. Right, it right. is. Everything is so ridiculously dependent upon the Holy Spirit's work. So we did all this quote unquote work just again to be around people who are discovering Jesus together in these environments and people begin to hear and respond to Jesus and they they're putting their I will statements into practice and you're beginning to to kind of put these rhythms in place as a as a people cuz they're discovery bible study you know you kind of you're talking about what you're thankful for and what's challenging and you're kind of getting these like early dna blocks of the church the they're, rhythms of the they're church they're moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of life like just let that yeah. phrase sink in mm. you you are yourself moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of life that's what discipleship is yeah hearing and obeying now you are helping other people move from unbelief to belief in Jesus in every area of life and you're helping them help other people Move from unbelief to belief mm-hmm. in Jesus in every area of life. That's right. Yeah. And you're baking in this DNA of a family. Amen, man. And so, uh, and and we're also baking in the the reproducibility of disciple making, right? And just this this process. And <clears throat> and so as that begins to happen, we are we are birthing, <laughs> a lack of better better words. And there's got to be better words than birthing. <laughs> so it's just that's that's on me to find a better word here, but. Then we see what emerges is a family, a new kind of like family, like a spiritual family that is beginning to live into rhythms of worship and community and mission. And, and people have had like significant encounters and, and, and I will statements and other things that come up of like, man, I want, I, I, I need to pray to Jesus. I need to surrender that, you know, like the Holy Spirit's speaking and, and people are more intentionally saying, all right, I, I, I'm giving my life to you, Jesus, and, and people are getting baptized. And, and so now we've got this rhythm and suddenly it's like, Hey, what are we? Well, we're, we're, we're church. Yeah. And so the next stop on the missionary pathway is, um, the church or micro churches emerge. So important to hear that language that way. This was the big shift. Mm-hmm. Now, we have plenty of training on this, and the underground exists to equip leaders who have seen a microchurch emerge function in a healthy way. Uh, Rob and uh, Chris Caputo created this eight-week maturity on mission uh, so training so that good. helps leaders in their own souls. We've got a team led by Michelle Wegner on soul care and Mm -hmm. spiritual direction that's caring for the souls of these leaders and helping them care for the souls of people in their micro churches. We have tools that we constantly create on disciple making and continuing deeper into the journey. Like discovery Bible study is amazing. It should always be the tool you use, but there are so there's the depth of scripture and the Mm -hmm. things that Jesus teaches is so far beyond just that one tool. And so we have all of these tools to help people and we have rhythms that we encourage microchurches to live in. But the the one thing I wanted to stop here on is this was the big shift. Yeah. What we started with was, oh, we're going to go plant microchurches all across this city. 
we're going to launch microchurches. Mm. And we realized, oh, that's that old language coming in of we're going to plant the church. Why the difference? What's so important about that? In church planting language, the idea is often that a, a, a family, a person, a, a two or three families drop into a location, start a service, and what happens? Usually a bunch of Christians come into the room, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, and many of them might come from other faith families. Yep. I'm not trying to be sharp here. I'm just recognizing this is the truth of right. what happens. And as that happens, you know, local church families are often depleted of great leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, year one, you might see in in the in the you know better, healthier models, you might see a hundred new people come to know Jesus. Mm. Well, now I'm using this language because you did this to yep. me a few years I ago at yep. Expo, where I was like converted to DMM. <laughs> We're at this massive church planning conference. You know, I'm like looking around like, man, I love this. This is so awesome. And Corey's like, ah, oh, man, this is just my soul is sort of torn being here. I'm like, why? He's like, look around this place. There's 5,000 church planters here. I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but like how many people are they going to reach if they all planted a church this year? It's like maybe 100. All right, so I don't do math, but that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How many people are they going to reach in year two? It's probably like 20. You know, mm-hmm. year three, maybe two. You know, it's like that's often actually the numbers yeah. that we see. Again, we're not being mean. We're just recognizing right. these are the data trends. And he goes, but in disciple-making movements, when you focus on making disciples, year one it might be two or three, but year three it's like 50, and year four it's like 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like this is the right. multiplicative effect. And here's the other side of it. Church is not a thing that we do. Yeah. It's not an activity. It's not uh, a place that we go to. And we had said that for years, but our language was betraying us. Mm, yeah, We were saying that church is an identity, but then we would say we plant the church. So what follows from that is, so you took a bunch of Christians and you put them somewhere in the city and you called that a church. Yeah. And ultimately, it's not seeing gospel saturation happen. Yeah. But if church is an identity then the what is true is that it emerges as disciples are made. You get the church because you make disciples. And we've heard this over and over. Mm. Oftentimes, if you plant the church, mm, you don't actually make new disciples. So that was a big deal for us to shift to that language to say, let's put an emphasis on planting missionaries who plant the gospel, who make disciples, and we'll call it a church as the church emerges. That's right. You know, it's, I have two things with that. The first one was the idea of, of I'm actually just talking with church planters, and they will say, like in our context, that the most fruitful time is that first year, and then you kind of get to your rhythms. And so it's like, well, let's just stay in that most fruitful time. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah. Let's keep pre- <laughs> pressing into that and, and – uh, and sending and, and reproducing. And so that's, that, that's one thought. The other thought is, and the irony is we, two things are true is one, we want to hang our hat on uh, disciples, making disciples and seeing the church emerge. So, out, I didn't say this, but I, and I know you're going to say this out of new context, out of unreached people, right? Right. Not just moving the sheep around. Right. So that's, we want to always hang our hat on that while also validating 
any group of Christians that are gathered in totally. worship community and mission as church. And that has been, that has been a shift for me. I mean, it's not that a shift as in, I didn't conceptually believe in it, but it's like, okay, we need to live in that weird tension in America. Well, we do have a lot of Christians and we have a lot of potential missionary Christians who will be engaged to gospel plant and see new churches arise. But what do they, what do they do in the meantime? You know, there's the, like, and so we're not a great place quote unquote, that's a funny way, or, or a, a group, a network organization, organization. Network, yeah. We're not great of like people like, Hey, I want to, I want to get plugged in to a micro church. Like, Oh man, we, okay, we'll try, but we kind of suck at that. Cause we, <laughs> instead, can we just like, do you have any other Christians around you? How can we train you to plant the gospel? Yeah. That's primary. Yeah. So it is funny though. Both of those things are true. There are, when, when Christians are gathering, Worship community mission, we will validate that in its simplest forms as church. You are a microchurch. But we're going to hang our hat on new disciple making than seeing microchurches emerge. So that's just, that's a good, good way to think about it. Yeah. And I don't want to like hang out here too long, but I do want to, I guess, justify myself in a, in a little. It sounds like I, I don't like church planting and I think that's wrong or bad or whatever it is. It, it's so hard to talk about this and it not sound that way. Yeah. It's just that we're so passionate about planting believers, which goes back to what you're saying, where it's like, hey, when we launched the underground, there were almost 80 of us who signed a little document that said, mm-hmm. I commit to gospel saturation in the city. Guess what? Those are all followers of Jesus. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. And what what we're aiming to do is catalyze every follower of Jesus into mission. Yeah. Like, let's move beyond just showing up to a weekend and expecting someone else to be doing our spirituality for us and own the mission of Jesus because he has given each of us a mission and he wants us to live fully into it. We're not going to live fully alive lives until we live into that mission that he's called us to. Mm -hmm. And when we do, it's going to be the greatest adventure that we could ever be a part of. Mm -hmm. And so just the, the other side of this too is like, we don't want to build this around a few personalities a few people who are at the top and who are directing vision. It's like, we want to look at every follower of Jesus and say, what's the part of this city that Jesus has called you to own the lostness of? Mm. And, and he will empower you. He will live through you. Mm. Christ in you, the hope of glory Mm. can lead you to become a spiritual parent that makes disciples that makes disciples. Come on now. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right, so let's go back through this. Phase one, say it with me. Extraordinary, Extraordinary prayer, prayer and fasting. fasting. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to uh, do that. Who else are you talking to here? <laughs> Phase two, live, live as, as missionaries. missionaries. Phase three, plant, plant the, the gospel. gospel. New disciples emerge, so the church, church emerges. emerges. Phase five, Corey, talk about it. Multiply. Multiplication on every level. So that's where the cyclical nature of this, right, is okay. So as we multiply, we are multiplying every level. We're multiplying extraordinary prayer. We are multiplying um, missionaries. We are multiplying disciples and discovery group environments. We're multiplying new churches. We're multiplying leaders, right? So as people emerge from these groups and these churches, we're training them to engage in new contexts and and that might take a little while, might be really quickly, you know, like uh, I got one network right now where someone who just came to the Lord a few weeks ago is going and starting a discovery group with a bunch of people who don't know Jesus. 
in that same environment, I've got someone who's been following the Lord now for three years, who's just now multiplying a new microchurch out of that. That's what that's because uh, there's still a, a stream of new believers that are kind of bold, like making this church bigger and bigger. And so we just need to multiply on every level. But when you get the DNA of those other four stops, then multiplication, I don't want to say it's natural, but like you're already living into those, all those other rhythms. And so leadership development multiplication is so key to continue on the process right and so there's a deep maturity there's knowledge that comes with all those things but we started in the right place and so multiply all those things yeah multiplication should be a natural outgrowth because it 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 is you know we use that term baked in it's like it, it it's from the beginning it is there and it, i think a yeah. word that jumped into my mind while you were talking was expected yeah. Like multiplication should be expected, yeah. Which I think in in previous forms of the church that we've all been a part of, multiplication was not necessarily expected. Yeah, and it and it was and if we spoke to it, it was forced. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm speaking out of my personal history is I've I've had a heart for multiplication in smaller forms of church since I was 18 years old, and. I every time I tried to multiply, it felt more like I was dividing a family who didn't want to split up. Yeah, it's like yeah, we yeah. love each other. And why was that? Well, it was mostly because I we just kind of gathered Christians in a new form. And just about the time that they just love each other so yeah. much, we're yeah, like, yeah. go, go, go. However, if you are making disciples and there's there's it's it, there's a forced multiplication like you're blowing air into that balloon i'm hoping this analogy goes good it just, <laughs> it just popped in my head you know more and more and more then like there's the natural pop popping that needs to happen and so that popping is birthing new things so that's the idea to multiply we have to really do the first four steps in the pathway well so that multiplication is is a natural overflow well again going back to run everything through the metaphor of family hmm. This mm-hmm. deep love I have for my kids, I want them to be filled with joy in their life that they have discovered why they're here and they have joy in some life fulfilling purpose, right? I mean like yeah. I'm I'm going to raise them that way. I I was about to say I don't care what they do. At some level, I care what they do because what I do care is that whatever it is that you give yourself to, I want you to be fulfilled completely mm-hmm. in it. Okay, so go to disciple-making. Run through that metaphor. It's like I don't want to force a microchurch to divide, to go like, oh, well, you guys got 20 people in this house, and that's not sustainable. It's like, yeah. no, reframe this yep. to look at the people that gather in you know, that pub or that gather in – this office space or whatever, and look at those people not as like, oh, we got to hang on to this forever because it's the greatest thing we've ever experienced, but to see every one of those people as you can be a spiritual parent as well. Mm -hmm. You can be a father and a mother to other people that you will then help them discover their fully alive life. Yep, Like it's about multiplying their joy. It's about multiplying them and to what Jesus made them for. And so I don't I don't look at these people that have been sent out as oh we've lost something. But what a great gain. Yeah. To know that they're living into all that they've been made for. Amen, man. Yes, and again, multiplication is not linear. No. It is 
it is weird and complicated and but it's good and so when we talk about sending from from a microchurch environment sending out people who will start a discovery group or start you know reproduce the microchurch uh, man it, it it usually comes from either a personal excitement conviction from the person and they if they don't know or if they barely know Jesus they're just discovering Jesus like Dude, for them to multiply a discovery group is beautiful. It's contagious. They mm-hmm. go when they're gathering other people because then we're not asking them to teach and we're not asking them to be elders or pastors. We're asking them to create an environment where people can read the Bible together. But also, it's like as we're reproducing leaders, we're seeing new new microchurches emerging and leaders that are ready, you know, to 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 birth something new. And they're now, you know, they're a leader. And they're, they are kind of more at that elder pastor level and that's okay too. Like, so we're reproduction in that sense looks different in different places, but it's, it's because the fruit that is, is forcing its way <laughs> to, to multiplication and it is a difference and it's messy, but it is, and it's, it's complicated, but that's what multiplication looks like in urban settings and, and affinities and geographies all mixing in, you know, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. And that is the only way to see gospel saturation is to embrace multiplication on every level. Yeah. I'm so glad you said those two words. Cause that was the, the next thing I was going to is not, we're not just doing this pathway so we can, you know, tell some story about how many people we have trained in the pathway and have seen this happen and this happen. Like the purpose behind all of this, of having a pathway, is gospel saturation. Mm-hmm. We desire mm-hmm. and long for every broken place to be made whole, every unwhole person to be made whole, mm-hmm. you know, to find belonging, to find family. What we're saying is we believe Jesus wants that. We see that in Scripture. You know, he's going to fill everything in every way. And we're saying, hey, this is a pathway to help us do it. Like we're not just going to shoot in the dark and hope people, you know, go do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still going to be spirit led. We're going to look at every, every phase of this. Remember we never left Jesus where are you at work and how can we join you as we live like a missionary? That's what we're praying through. As we plant the gospel, we're asking him to show us how can we be good news and proclaim good news. As the church emerges, we're asking the spirit to, uh, and, and, like bring this family together in in the, in the ways that only he can to make that identity true. And multiplication, we're asking the spirit to do the multiplication, not not us. Mm. Um, and all of that is because we want to see this city filled with the beauty, the justice, mm-hmm. and the good news of Jesus. And if it feels like all of this is like just-in-time training, like, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every step you're dependent upon the Holy Spirit and there's not a now do this, now do this, now do this. Totally. Boom. Yeah. Um, however, there is language, there is tools, there is training that can help us along the way. But in the end, it's all for us to just to get at the, the feet of Jesus, yeah. be fully dependent on his spirit and, and watch him move. All right. So that's the missionary pathway. One final time. This is the movement through. Number one, Extraordinary prayer and fasting. Number two, live as missionaries. Number three, you plant the gospel. New disciples emerge as we plant the gospel, and the church emerges. And number five, multiplication as a byproduct of that, that we would multiply new leaders, new groups, new gatherings, new teams, and see gospel saturation happen in a city.
So we wanted to walk you through the missionary pathway, and we will come back next week, and we will give you an overview of the huddle training that we're aiming for in 2021 and our goals for that. Anything else? Nope. Oh, man. I'm so excited about this. Bring it on. Ah, yes. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.